Welcome to episode one of the Boomtown Hoops podcast, the inaugural episode. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined by Cade Kimball today. We have a couple of other co-hosts who will be joining us at a later date um, as we get further down the line. But Cade, first of all, before we we jump in, the Summer League, uh, free agency, all of the thundery-laid happenings of the last couple of weeks, just uh, how, how are you doing tonight, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm honestly excited to to start this podcast because I, as I'm sure you do, consume many podcasts, consume many Thunder podcasts. I've actually done a couple of podcasts myself, but never a truly Thunder-centric podcast, which is probably one of my favorite sports topics to talk about. So I'm I'm excited to jump into it for sure. But first, we do have some some news, some some thunder related news today, not related to free agency, summer league, or, or anything. Uh, former Thunder Center Nick Collison, he has he has been promoted to special assistant to GM Sam Presti. Kate, what what do you suppose the special assistant to Sam Presti act? What do you think that job actually entails? Um, he wakes up early and gets Sam some coffee. That's about <laughs> it. I mean. What else do we really need him to do? It's going to be like a Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, do we do do we think that he schedules Sam's like weekly haircuts? Maybe he uh, he makes sure Sam's uh, clear glasses are always in the spot where where he knows where they are. I mean, just very basic thing. It sounds like a, a made up job just to give a, a long standing Thunderman um, a promotion and a, and a pay raise to me. Yeah, um, I assume Sam is a very OCD man. And I'm sure <laughs> yes. that Nick Collison will be great at uh, keeping everything in touch for him. Yep, a- absolutely. And then uh, Anthony Morrow, another uh, made-up sounding job. Don't even have that that title in front of me, but all you need to know is that Anthony Morrow is in the fold with the organization in some capacity. It's like a membership, something or other. Um, just um, a way to bring uh, a former guy back. And, and even though Morrow only played in OKC for, what was it, two, three years at Seems like he's pretty well connected and has always wanted to stay involved with the organization in some capacity. He's at least always watching Oklahoma City, it seems. What do you think? Oh, well, first off, uh, Anthony Morrow is one of the two Thunder players I've talked to. First with Lance Thomas a few times. Um, Anthony Morrow told me happy birthday on my 11th birthday. Wow. Yep. So uh, strong connection there. Also, <laughs> I mean, it just feels great having uh, these old players want to come back and work with Sam and the organization. Mm hmm. For sure. And, you know, speaking of strong connection, boy, uh, Mike Muscala signs a two year deal uh, worth seven million dollars to come back to Oklahoma City. Anybody listening to this certainly remembers uh, Muscala's tearful presser at the end of the season where he just talked about how much it meant to him to to be with this organization and how great it was. And he he proved it in the offseason again that he he didn't want to go anywhere and he's back and. I personally think that he can help this team. He can help Shea specifically quite a bit because it, it helps Shea to have a stretch five out there who can knock down shots, who can play that pick and pop. And, you know, Shea is arguably the best guy at getting to the rim in the league. So Muscala, if nothing else, that that just gives Shea a lot more space to work with. Yeah, that and even, I mean, he'll help on court, of course, but off the court, I mean, it's just good to have someone like that around. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an older guy. He's been he's seen a few things around the league. I mean, it's just good to have him want to be here. That just feels good as a Thunder fan is that seeing players coming here, loving it, and wanting to stay. I mean, that's just very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that 
that is how Oklahoma City has always tried to at least level the playing field as much as possible with, with other places that are maybe bigger, bigger markets. They, they treat their players like, like gold, like royalty. Um, and Mike Muscala obviously is a guy who connected very well with the organization. And I, I think your point just to have veterans around it is well taken too, because outside of Muscala, you've got Derek favors. It is a lot of young guys like, like SGA is SGA the, the third longest tenured guy in the league on the roster I don't have the whole roster up in front of me but he's at least the third most experienced guy yeah. out of anybody else that I can think of Kenrich Williams so that that's another one um but yeah just so many young guys Muscala is a good culture guy to have around and it's just I think he's gonna help on the court too absolutely and uh one last thing I'll talk about on his part is like like we said having that culture built I mean you see, the whole squad went to uh, Summer League in Las Vegas. Yeah. I wonder who orchestrated that. I mean, obviously, Shea might have, you know, sent a quick little group chat, but, like, I feel like Muscala had a little bit to do with that. I mean, obviously, I don't know anything for sure. But just, like, speculating, you know, maybe he has something to do with that. Maybe he's just like, hey, let's go support our boys out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if he didn't have anything to do with it, it, it's still cool to see him and obviously everybody. But you think about Muscala, I, I mentioned he's, like, one of the only veterans on the team. Like, yeah. he's got very li- – he's – he's got very little in common just like era wise with all these guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Right. But he, he's still there. He, it's just, is another, another, I guess, proof, more, more proof of, of that thunder culture. And it's gotta be, gotta be cool for the summer league guys, because I don't, I don't think there's too many other teams that there's a couple teams where it's like a few guys here and there, but to have basically the whole team outside of Derek favors there. I, I, I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. And, and uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm um, speaking of uh, the young guys. We lost a couple this off season, mm-hmm. losing Tony Bradley to the bulls and speed to wherever he ends up. Yeah. Yeah. So Tony Bradley uh, go, goes to the bulls and then Svi Mikhail Luke uh, got the qualifying offer rescinded. I think yeah. at least I kind of assumed that, he was going to be one of the young guys who who wasn't back just because there's just not the roster space. I mean, you bring in even even just three or four rookies instead of what they you know they could have brought in at least one more, maybe traded for another pick in the draft. You bring in rookies, they obviously have traded for Kimbo, who's gone, but traded for favors too. So it just was too crowded. Not surprised to see Svigo. I do think that he he will have a role still somewhere in the NBA, a, a bit real for sure, but he's a guy who he'll, he'll land somewhere else. He's a good enough shooter. Yes. Yeah, he was fun for his first, first few weeks on the team. He was way more bouncy than I expected him. He didn't yes. really dunk in Detroit. I mean, that was just fun to have, but he never really felt like he was a part of the, the core, you know, the part of the squad. I mean, mm-hmm. he was here and it was fun while he was here, but it just never felt like it was a long-term thing. Yeah. And it, it's funny. You mentioned the dunking. Um, he dunked way more than in Detroit. Um, full disclosure here. I'm, I'm a Kansas guy, went to school at the university of Kansas, was in school at the same time as V was here at KU. So I watched every game he played in college. I don't remember even dunking that much in college. And it's like all of a sudden this, this three week stretch where he was like dunking like every game. It felt like, like every other game he had a dunk and like some pretty impressive dunks. That was just a, a funny thing that happened as the, as the team was going through, uh, it's it's tanking uh to end the season for sure i think the next like loss that you know it's, it was weird but it's a good situation there's kimba leading to the knicks 
mm-hmm. on a two-year buyout, which you really don't see Sam do without often. So it's kind of well, weird. I don't even know. Has he ever bought anybody out besides like Kyle Singler? Is that Kyle Singler is all I can remember off the top of my head. Because it was always like, uh, you know, Amnesty Perk. You know, get, get it. Perk never bought out. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then it was Carmelo, right? Like, oh my God, like they've got wave and stretch Carmelo. And then like Schroeder turned into the wave and stretch joke because that was what Carmelo turned into. It's like, They've had all these guys on, on bad contracts. Obviously, Chris Paul, Al Horford just last year, where buyouts have never really been in the discussion, right? But yeah, um, go on. Sorry to cut you off. But yeah, Kimba gives gives $10 million back per season, and he is no longer on the team. I mean, I think it was always a cool idea, you know, have him come play a little bit and trade him. But I'm also very okay with just never starting that in the first place. Give Shea the ball to begin with. I mean, just roll with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what expired the two trade exceptions, Stephen Adams, 27 and a half million, and Danilo Gallinari's 10 million. They both expired yesterday, meaning they did not use them. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I think anytime um, teams create a trade exception, fan bases have this expectation like, okay, like, can't wait for that trade exception, like that, that's gonna come in so clutch. Like, we're we're gonna go go grab somebody with that, and it's just like it more often than not i think trade exceptions come and go that there are rare cases where, where they are used but i'm not too surprised by it i think it was they, they were just more like extra little things that Presti had at his disposal just in case but i certainly don't think it was like okay we we must use at least one of these trade exceptions or at least part of of one of these trade exceptions i don't know do you feel any differently no, I mean, and I looked at it and the more research I did, I'm like, okay, what are we really going to use these on? I mean, like, there's not much we really could have done with it that would have changed a whole lot for the upcoming season. I mean, add a, diff- add a bigger name, who who cares? It wasn't going to change a whole lot for the next season. And I mean, it just didn't really come as a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, back on the Kimba thing real quick, though. I mean, we said it, it's not really, the, the buyout isn't something that, that Presti has done hardly at all like Kyle Singler now Kimball Walker which is a funny a funny grouping um in itself were you surprised by it and how do you feel about the the direction they they took um buying him out and you know it was the first guy that we didn't get something back for that that uh, we brought in well it was weird because I mean you don't really hear a lot of Thunder news coming out early getting leaked early and Presley's pretty good about that and we heard that you know they're still looking and they're still trying to trade him this and that. Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden they just waved him like that bottom out. Sorry. It just happened mm-hmm. very fast. And it really did shock me. Honestly, I thought we were going to get something back for him. Um, especially the Knicks. I feel like they could have given us something back, but nothing worked. So I guess Presley just sent it. I mean, but yeah, it shocked me. Yeah. I mean, it, it did surprise me too, just because we have seen Presty. Like I said, we, we've seen him do this song and dance now two years in a row where you bring in Chris Paul, you bring in Al Horford and they play well enough. You can flip them for, for stuff when you got paid to bring them in in the first place. But I do think that whole number one that had to stop at some point, like they weren't just going to keep flipping and flipping and flipping that same bad money forever. Yeah. So had had to stop at some point. And also I just think that that whole thing is riskier and there's more that goes into making that work, like more, more good luck, more, more things going right than people, than Thunder fans specifically probably realize at this point, just because Presti has done it now 
you know, a couple of times. I mean, the, the veteran has to be willing to play ball. The veteran has to be willing to come in and play for, in this situation, a team that is clearly rebuilding, a team that has no interest in going to the playoffs. And Kim is a guy who's 31 coming off um, the knee issues all season last year. And that plagued him in the bubble in the playoffs too. It's like, he probably doesn't want to waste a year. And he clearly doesn't. He was willing to give up $20 million to, to make that happen. But also what if, what if Kimba is too good and like, what if Kimba plays well and you have to shut him down again, like you do Horford. Like, I think it's fine when you do it one time, but what happens when you have to do that a second time? And I mean, we've already seen a lot of things hurl Oklahoma city's way these last couple of weeks for how the franchise has operated. I think maybe that noise would have gotten louder if things would have gone that direction with Kimba as well. And would Kimba have even been willing to step away like, like Al Horford was last year. I don't think many guys in Horford's position would have done what he did last year. I mean, like you said, we did get really lucky. I mean, that scenario for the last two years has, I mean, honestly just worked out all in our favor. Everything has kind of went our way. And like, we've kind of just been used to that, that we thought this might happen this time. And so it's really no shock that it didn't go that way. Cause we really were lucky. So to see it not go that way, it's a little it's like a little bit of a bummer, but I mean, what else can you do that? We, mm-hmm. we kept flipping for so long and yep. <laughs> we, we maximized the value out of it. I mean, I'm, I'm fine for it to end. Yep. I'm, I'm with you there. And then plus you just look at it from a roster perspective. You obviously have SGA, you have Dort, you have Teo, you have Trey Mann, and you have other guys like, you know, Kendrick Williams who will play like at the three Poku, uh, maybe Vic Krejci is involved. Ty Jerome. I can't believe I went this long time mentioning Ty Jerome. Like there's a lot of guys who are going to be vying for playing time or just straight up have to have playing time. That's just like, I think I would just wrap. I, I don't really want Kimba playing for this team at, at this point this season. And so I'm, I'm cool with the way it happened, even though it's kind of like, Oh man, like I'm used to this, like other sweet thing coming in every time we lose um one of these guys but i'm i'm cool with it and speaking of roster construction uh, i just have a question who do you think they're going to start next season who do i think they're going to start well i well first off i just want to mention this is a very cloudy subject that i know someone at boomtown has written on before um what about josh giddy what about basley i mean that's what i'm looking at because for for pressing to reach quote-unquote reach Mm -hmm. uh, giddy at six and basley's stock kind of plateauing I mean like who, who's he going to choose there I mean as the fifth starter it's just weird to me I mean is Pokey going to get the start because I feel like if you if you really like Giddy and he was willing to reach for him is he going to start him I guess what it comes down to for me is can Poku play the four and I I guess he probably can because like positions are pretty much meaningless and really the only guys that are going to like weight room poku consistently or like the centers who you know favors robinson earl or scala would would be guarding so i think if you're cool with poku playing the four and and giddy playing the three in that scenario i I think would be what would happen and then you obviously have sga and dort and then the other discussion would be do you start robinson earl right away or is favors your kind of veteran mainstay in that starting lineup, I think I would lean favors at least to start the season to let Robinson Earl gain some confidence against some backup bigs 
Um, but I don't know. He looked pretty darn good. We can get to it later, but he looked pretty darn good in summer league. And he was a guy that obviously a lot of people like coming out of Villanova too. What do you think? I mean, I, I agree on the, on the Robinson Earl situation. I think uh, start favors at first, let him go for a little bit and mm-hmm. eventually he'll get where you need to get with it. And obviously long-term Earl's going to get the starting spot, but I think right away you, you start favors for a little bit. You see what happens. You'll bully Earl in practice a little bit, you know, <laughs> roughing him up a little bit, get him to where he needs to be. I think long-term it's going to be Earl of course, and that's kind of a given, but I think favors has to be starting for the, at least the first 10 games or so. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're one through four. Are you in agreement with me or are you more bullish not on getting Baisley in that starting lineup somehow? <laughs> I, I think uh, it's a make-or-break season on Baisley's end. I think uh, mm-hmm. year three is going to be huge. But also, you know, let him dominate coming off the bench. Let him be that that guy to be the motor on that second unit and just bring Giddy in. Let him do what he can do in the in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. So I think we're both saying Shea, Dort, Giddy, Poku, and Derek Favors with Robinson Earl having the potential to unseat him maybe 20 games in or maybe favors is gone uh, 20 games in who knows, that's true. but, or maybe he's gone before the season, who knows, who knows. But for now, I think that's what we're both saying. Um, one guy, obviously an SGA that we know will start, will start all of the games for all of the time. He is in Oklahoma city. He is going to be here a while. He signs a five year, $172 million rookie max extension. And that can get up to $207 million if he makes any of the All-NBA teams um, during that contract. He's locked in for six years. Most importantly, I, I think, in my opinion, no player option. So he's he's a full six years. You don't have that, that early out, which is a little surprising because I just feel like if he would have asked for it, they probably would have given it to him. But he must not have asked for it. So. Good for Oklahoma City. Obviously, it was a formality that he was going to get offered that, but it's still, it's still just exciting to know that you know, hey, our, our guy is here after here to stay after a summer of trade speculation, mostly from the outside. And that's not to say he couldn't still get traded at some point, but it's just reaffirming that Presti came out pretty strongly against that, and then he gets the big deal, no player option. He's going to be here a while. I think it's a very, it's very just reassuring just to have him around for a long time. Obviously, it kind of is exposing him as that cornerstone piece, that player mm-hmm. for the next six, seven years while we continue to look upwards, look towards contending down the road. I mean, him, Dort's going to get probably paid here pretty soon. When his contract yep. starts going, getting towards the end, he's probably going to get a nice extension. I mean, it's just a lot of young guys that we're going to have to end up paying. And, of course, it's going to probably come up to Preston on who he wants to keep, but uh, just – assuring that SJ is going to be here and he's going to be the guy that all those young guys are coming around. It's just very nice, nice feeling having him around in a while. And he wants to be here. You can tell by his social media post. I mean, it just feels good. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that Lou Dort isn't going to play for less than 2 million a year for the rest of his career. What, what, what is this nonsense? I, I thought he was just always going to be the best contract in the NBA. No, but I, I love that he is right now, and it's going to be cool if he can make an all-star game while on that contract. It'll be, <laughs> Presti's going to look like the smartest man alive if that happens. Hey, even, even an all-defense team, which I think he'll have a chance at once the Thunder actually have a functional team and a functional defense. Um, but, yeah, Bobby Marks point out on Twitter that the 23-24 season, Oklahoma City, as of now, obviously there will be more guys drafted. There will be trades made, um, other extensions, which incl- I think Dort is first up on that list. Um, other things will happen, but as of right now, they're staring at about 90 million in cap space. That's obviously estimated because no one knows the exact 
uh, cap figures at this point yet, which, you know what? Oklahoma City has never been a big free agency destination, but if they have a bunch of space and maybe in a couple of years they're ready to finally win, maybe they can go out and sign a couple of those like 10 to $15 million guys to bring in and kind of put them over the top. I, I'm not going to pretend to know what Presti thinks or plans, but I could see that being a potential hope for the organization to be good enough at that time to use that cap space before you have to pay other guys, uh, other young guys on the team. And also gives us potential to make a splash with the trade. I mean, as Presti's seen, he can, he can just do that. He'll, he'll trade for a Paul George player. I mean, he, and certainly we'll have the assets to do that. And I mean, yes. it gives us wiggle room to put talent around that. Say we trade for a, another big star and we have a little big three of flu door SGA and a third star. <laughs> you can put more talent around that signing uh, those, uh, like you said, 10 to $15 million players. I just, I just love the inclusion of Lou Dort in, in the big three. I love Dort. I hope he gets to there at some point because that, that would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really just – it's what we were saying before the draft even too. Um, the Thunder have unlimited options almost besides going out and signing LeBron James or guys of that ilk. They have basically unlimited options for ways that they could build this thing. So – it's an exciting time to, to be a fan, um, despite what others um, in, the, in the national media or somewhat national media, media might, might have to say about Presti's incredibly long tank job that's lasted an entire, entire half a season. But neither here nor there. Um, anything else to get to with, with the SGA stuff, or can we move on to the ever-important and always exciting Summer League? Uh, actually, I want to merge in between those two, step in and talk about that Yahoo Sports article we read. Um, I just, wow. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, so many things, misinf- misinformation. I mean, just some things were just flat up, straight up wrong. How do you feel about that article? I mean, I've, I've seen some more people kind of comparing the Thunder to the Process Sixers a little bit. And it's like, it's a little bit true in that, Obviously, Oklahoma City is offloading veterans. Like, they're not trying to win games. Everybody knows that. But it's not like the process Sixers are the only team um, to ever do that. I mean, the Houston Rockets traded James Harden for only draft picks. Like, if they wanted to win games, they could have traded him for Ben Simmons. Uh, The Pistons basically told Jeremy Grant to go home, kind of like Al Horford was told to go home. Just not – I mean, he played a couple of games here and there. Uh, the Magic traded Nick Vucevic at the deadline, clearly wanted to lose games. Like teams do this every year, not to the extreme that the Thunder did it, but also the Thunder had to do it because SGA got hurt. I don't care what anybody says. He was actually injured. It wasn't a, oh, let's tank. He's injured, um, air quotes, um, for people who can't see my video. He missed the Olympics, guys. Like he's clearly, he was clearly injured. Um, and then you just, you have teams like, like the Cavs and the Kings who just get the skate by being terrible every year. I just thought it was funny. The article called the Thunder a quasi NBA franchise until they stop wheeling and dealing basically and start trying to put a real team on the floor. It's like, well, they actually still had a real team on the floor for half of last season. Then the best guy got hurt. And it's like, are you going to play Horford and risk injury for him? And also, let's be real, win games for the Thunder. Like there was, the guy even admitted in the article, like, yeah, this is probably the best the best way 
and the quickest way they can get good again. It's like, okay, well, that's all you need to know um, as to why they're doing it. Right. I mean, that that's the whole deal. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, the injury thing about making it seem weird about, you know, is what's really hurt and all that. That's just, to me, it's just blasphemy. It was a weird, weird situation. Weird thing to write about. But, but, um, but people, people do that. Like people at ESPN, like everybody says that about Shea. And I, I think it's just a lazy take. Yeah. And I feel like that article is full of lazy takes. I think, you know, maybe content was just slow. I mean, but summer league has been <laughs> exciting. So write about that. Why is that what you choose to write about in the middle of summer? To me, that's just a weird thing to do. Weird article to write right now. Is it really worth the clicks? Is there going to be a lot of clicks? I guess it worked. It got Thunder fans mad, but it's yeah, just weird it, to me. It certainly did. At one point, I, I clicked on the tweet, I think when I quote tweeted it, and it had like four retweets, a couple of responses, and like 89 quote tweets. Like people people were getting riled up about it, and um, rightfully so, I think. But yeah, it's like, you know, the Thunder could turn this thing on its head so quickly in like two years. In two years, this team could actually be a real team if they hit on a draft if they hit on giddy if giddy is that guy or if they get that guy in the next draft and then flip picks like it could things change so quickly in the nba it's like we have like little two and three year windows for for basically every team at this point i i don't know it it, it was just a, a lazy take and i guess we just have to be outraged about about tanking but we don't have to be outraged about everybody who's tanking i don't know it 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 rubbed me the wrong way but i guess it is what it is yeah me too and one of the other things i want to talk about roster construction wise um josh hall jalen horde who would you rather see us take there i guess i would say josh hall because i assume he's a lot younger i'm gonna have to look up how old jalen horde is right now because i honestly but i know he had played in the nba even before he got to Oklahoma City. Yeah, he's 22. Josh Hall's got to be like 19. He was straight out of high school. I guess I would say Josh Hall. Neither one is too inspiring. And I think if you're looking for like a guy who's going to help you more right now, it's Jalen Horde. But Josh Hall, yeah, he's 20 years old. He still clearly doesn't trust his jump shot, had no interest in shooting at all in summer league. What he reminds me of is like a lesser version of a lesser wing version of like what Jeremy Grant was before he got good. It's like, he just, he puts his head down. He's athletic as I'll get out. Right. But you just never know what is going to happen. Every time he drives the basket, the ball could go over the backboard. You could dunk on somebody like it's an adventure. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the last uh, roster breakdown things that we had question marks other than like Gabriel deck and Vit. I mean, weird situations, but, uh, of the two ways, uh, Aaron Wiggins, definitely my favorite prospect, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I'm going with Josh Hall as well, just for youth and, you know, maybe there's some potential there. Who knows? Yeah. And Aaron Wiggins, you know, in the first game of summer league. So the Thunder beat the Pistons, I think, 72, 76, 72. Um, who really cares? The, the Thunder won the game. I guess it's really all that matters. Um, and Wiggins is probably, I don't know, the best player on the team. The Not best player. That was Teo. Second best player, third best player. Like, he was in that conversation. And I think he's a guy who is probably going to help right away next season. He can shoot a little bit. He can kind of – and he can get to the basket. He can really kind of score on all three levels. And he he's just a, a nice find, honestly. I mean, he he's a good find that, that late in the draft. What was it, pick, pick 55? Yeah. I mean, in – like Giddy, I was excited. I was excited to watch him play. I won't lie. 
uh, got really hyped after that first dunk and yep. then slowly got uh, heartbroken whenever he went down with the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Although it is just day to day, that's it's pretty relieving to see an ankle injuries, n- not normally that serious. Um, I think that it was like an underrated part of our draft is like people saw that we took Giddy at six and like six is a weird spot to be at. It was very unfortunate that we fell there in the lottery. But like I like Giddy at six. You never know what he could be. I mean, Presty obviously liked him. There's, they know a lot more than we do about basketball, and that's why they have the jobs that they do. But I don't, I'm a big fan of this draft. I mean, Trey Mann, that was a fun pick. And like you said, Aaron Wiggins, that late in the draft, I think overall that was fun. And that, I think it's kind of showing in this uh, summer league, the one game that we played. I'm not trying to overreact, but, like, <laughs> there's some potential there in those picks. And, you know, they could be fun. For sure. Um, Trey Mann, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he – he got to his spots, like he got to his floater a couple of times. I think everyone has probably seen, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've seen the, the Trey Man game winner in the tournament. He basically got that same shot, that that step back three-pointer on the same wing, just missed it. So it's like that, that guy is going to be able to get shots and create uh, for others. And then, yeah, you said it. I, I was very excited to watch Giddy. Unfortunately, he got hurt so early. Um I wonder if he will even come back at all. I know you say it's day to day, but it's just summer league. So they may just sit him out, out of, out of an abundance of caution, but that'd be a bummer if he couldn't play again. But I would say Robinson Earl was a guy who I was excited about. Um, And this game certainly did nothing to to quell that excitement. He, he made a three pointer. And I think the three pointer is going to be, the swing skill for him. He's got good touch in the mid range, but has to extend that um, to three. And if he does, I think he's going to have a, a very long career, but he's a good defender. I mean, he, he guarded Luca Garza. He switched on to, onto guards just to, to kind of show his versatility. He's just like the quintessential Villanova guy. Who's just like, he just knows how to play. Like he just really does. And I, I think the prospect that when well, now that Gage is out that I want to see really, Shine in game two was honestly trying, man, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of his. And if you want to overanalyze game one, like he can't, he can't make shots. Well then in that sense, Kate Cunningham, he's a bust. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Well, and, and people were ready to call Trey Young a bust that, you know, he, yeah. he, he struggled to create shots against, against Lake and his first summer league game. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's very important not to overreact either direction, which is why I think we're both treading pretty lightly on the analysis here, but you, you make a good point about Trey, man. Well, I think my favorite uh, over analysis in summer league was uh, after Alonzo Ball's big triple double. And then he just came in the regular season and was awful in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's just why I never, I think it's fun to watch. I think it's fun to see, you know, what kind of potential could be there, but that's also why we can never overanalyze it. Gosh, remember how good Kyle Kuzma was and not that Kuzma wasn't, hasn't been good in the NBA, but remember how good he was in summer league. It was like, my God, like this guy is like thoroughly outplaying the number two pick in the draft. Uh, Lonzo Ball right now, um, like Josh Selby, uh, another uh, way lesser player, but summer league hero. Um, yeah, try not to overreact too much, but of course, it's the only basketball we're seeing. It's it's the first time that that we're seeing a lot of these young guys. Um, so it's hard not to at least want to talk about a little bit. I think last thing before we close out here is if we're going to talk about summer league, we have to talk about about Teo, right? Like he. He looked awesome. It was 11 assists, two turnovers, which which was great. Had a double-double. I think it was 15 or 16 points. Looked just, like, huge compared to last year. Like, he he bulked up a lot. I think um, I saw, was it Andrew Schlecht? Somebody said that he, 
you know, that Teo said he lifted twice a day all offseason. It's like, yeah, I, I believe it based on how he looks. And he used that size a little bit to, to kind of finish, finish through and around some guys down there. Uh, he, like, he just seemed like he kind of controlled the court. I mean, only one year of playing in the, in the league under his belt and off the mm-hmm. bench even. But, like, that size that he, he gained, I mean, he just looks very huge, honestly. And mm-hmm. he, he just seemed like he kind of dominated the court a little bit. And even though he didn't put up, like, a, a crazy big stat line, it was, like, a huge stat line for the team. And what he did was very serviceable for the team. Yeah, and it's only summer league. And, honestly, Kate Cunningham, like, didn't play a ton. Like, the Pistons didn't play him a ton. And it was a little, you know, it didn't seem like they cared about getting him very many minutes. but. Teo was the best player on the court with uh, the Pistons having multiple guys who played in the NBA last year as well, plus the number one pick. So it's at least not, it's at least worth noting. It's definitely not nothing. I don't think. Yeah. That, and it it was just a fun win in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It as fun as a summer league game can be when you don't score for like 80 minutes to, to end the game at least. Yeah. That's a (laughs) probably one bone to pick. I have with the summer league is the lack of offense sometimes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the, it, it could be it could be a little tough to watch. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, Cade, unless you've got anything else, I think we can close out this summer league conversation and, by extension, this podcast. I'm good. All righty. Well, that is gonna do it for episode one of the Boomtown Hoops podcast. You can follow Boomtown Hoops on Twitter at Boomtown Hoops. Um, look it up on Instagram, Facebook. I, I think it's the same or very similar handles I'll, I'll go grab those handles for for the next show um also read boomtownhoops.com um a, a lot of good stuff uh from a lot of guys on that website also i don't know how often the discord link gets tweeted out but when you see the discord link get tweeted out from the boomtown hoops account go join a lot of fun thunder conversation happening in there uh, on a daily basis we've really got a great community in there and we will talk to you guys for episode two I assume sometime next week. Bye.